Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. I don't fool myself. Like The primary reason is utility-based. I can fly direct almost anywhere from Atlanta on Delta. And I know that that's a good way to build up these rewards points and I'll get it. So it is a utility-based decision every time. If I'm loyal to someone, I would recommend them. So if you said, well, what laptop should you buy? I would say, yeah, you need to buy an Apple Mate. If it's based around utility or just inertia, I probably wouldn't even bother answering the question. Find out who those loyal customers are and talk to them. Find out why. Why are they loyal to your brand of mustard? Like, why is your brand of mustard their die for mustard? And figure out, like, can you tap into that? Hey, Ryan. How are you? A great, Colin. Thank you. Good. Because we're going to have an interesting debate today, mate. Good. So let me let me set the background for you, okay? okay. Uh, and this is a bit of a pickle, a pickleish one, okay? Okay, so not a full blown pickle, but like maybe a mini gherkin kind of thing, like a pickle. Yeah, or maybe a sliced, sliced pickle. pickle. Yeah, maybe a slice. You could do so many things with pickles, a, a can't you? Dill spear <laughs> of a problem. I, li- I like where we're going with this. <laughs> so I was in a meeting the other day with a client, okay. And we were looking at their stats and, you know, I've worked with this client for some time and they were effectively very proud of their repeat business. And we were looking at the repeat business stats and they were going, look how many loyal customers we've got. And I sat there and I thought, you know what? They're not loyal. This is just inertia. Uh, so I, I challenged their view, and we had an interesting, really interesting conversation that I thought that this would be good to, to share with our listeners today about the difference between customer loyalty and inertia, because I think too many organizations really get caught up uh, in thinking that they have loyal customers when they don't. What they have is a group of customers that are just with them because they're just with them and if somebody else comes along with a better offer, then they're off, basically. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, the loyalty, the difference between loyalty and, and habit or inertia or automatic purchasing, like these are all very interesting to me. One of the useful things I found for myself about graduate school and kind of pursuing academic learning is this realization that you need to be real specific in defining terms if you want to understand what's going on. So in one sense, they were right. Like if we define loyalty just as somebody who continues to purchase from you, then sure, yeah, those are loyal customers. I think that the point that you're getting at is we need to be careful in the words that we use. We may be using the word loyalty to mean one thing, but we are then thinking about loyalty strategically in a different way. And that that's a recipe for problems. So. Yes. No, I agree. Uh, and, and that's one of the things I, I, I'm going to compliment you now 
This All right, is, let's hear that. <laughs> this is, this is a pure and uh, not an inertial thing for Colin. He's not acting out of habit in uh, complimenting. No, I, absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, and this is not common. So I'm glad you're sitting down, mate. Right. Okay. So no, but this is what well, this is certainly one of the things I've learned from you, which is at the beginning of a conversation, make sure that everybody's working from the same hymn sheet and you're defining the definition of what what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so quick aside on that, you can avoid a lot of arguments by doing this. Like I'm convinced that a lot of arguments happen because people are just using similar terms in a different way. So that's one bonus. The other thing, and you've seen me do this in consulting um, engagements that we've been on, if you ask your consulting clients to define some terms, you end up looking like a genius um, when you don't have to have any answers at all. Like, I don't, I just, oh, that's really, what do you mean when you say that? And it gets them, I mean, it's useful. It gets them to think about what it is that they, they want to say. And they, they come out of it thinking that I had some brilliant insight when I said nothing except sure. them. Sure, I agree. Let's talk about, therefore, what we mean by customer loyalty and inertia, okay? I actually have kind of a mini framework that I use when I talk about this with my students. So I bucket things into three groups. Um, so maybe we can start there and then expand. Yeah, yeah, you go. Let's start off by acknowledging everything we're about to talk about. These are good things, right? So if you are in the position of trying to figure out, like, ah, is this inertia? Is this loyalty? Is this something else? You're in a position of having customers that are repeat purchasers that are coming back to you, right? So we're not saying that one of these is good and one of these is bad. What we are going to say, though, is that they're different and that they result from different kinds of strategies and that they can grow and develop in different ways. Yeah. My big point is that like, we don't want to get confused between them. Go ahead. No, I, they are good, but I would argue, I'm sure you'd agree, that loyalty is better. Yes, I do agree with that. Yes. Yeah. So, but it's not that inertia is bad. No, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So these are all good things. They're not equally good, but they're all yeah. good. Like if you're, if you're yeah. in a position to be weighing this out, you're in a good place. Let's see if we can figure out a way to get you better. All yeah. right. So the three buckets that I would put these in, one is what I call utility. And then from that, I, I'm, I'm using utility the way economists do, as in like maximizing your utility. And that, that is a, a more deliberate you might say, rational way of evaluating things, right? So I'm purchasing from you every time because every time I am reassessing the options and, and realizing yours is still the best, all right, for me. And so that's why I'm purchasing. So that's one bucket. Second bucket we can call inertia. This is a habitual, automatic. I'm buying from you because that's just what I've done in the past. I don't think about it. I'm on autopilot, right? So that's another bucket. And then the third bucket is loyalty. And in that case, I'm, I'm buying from you because I have a relationship with you, because I feel something. So loyalty is more emotional. It's more relationship-based. It has kind of more give and take in it. And so those are the three categories that I would lay this out. Does that make sense so far? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I agree with them. Let, let me try and enhance those and maybe give a couple of examples to try to make it live for people a bit more. In my view, the majority of organizations don't really understand what customer loyalty is because they effectively are, are caught in the inertia and utility. Is it you, you call it utility inertia? Utility, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, they're caught. They're caught in that, and part of that is you said it, but I want to emphasize it. Loyalty is emotion. Okay, so it, it, the question I always ask people is, um, you know, in your life, who are you loyal to? You know, not in your personal life. And obviously, the answer always comes back as being family. Okay. Oh, I thought uh, you were going to say the Intuitive Customer Podcast is the <laughs> which I agree. Absolutely, it's an emotional attachment, and and here's part of the irony. Then is and and the reason I want to explore this is because it, it's key here. Not many organisations, as we know, measure customer loyalty and measure emotions and therefore it's very difficult to split between the two okay the closest it comes is in the branding area isn't it you know so you can see that sort of affinity in the branding area i want to expand on something you said before you move on to the next point which is very important these three things if uh, if we measure them behaviorally so in other words if we measure them based on purchase frequency or, or purchase rates or length of tenure these three things look the same behaviorally. So if your point that we're not measuring the right things in order to distinguish between them, that's correct. We need to measure additional things if we want to be yes. able to tease these apart. Yeah, this is why this is such a great conversation, mate, because this is like the conversation I was having the other day with a client. And that's the issue, is the issue becomes, well, okay, so what is the difference? Well, one of the big differences is that emotional attachment, Okay, yeah, I buy into that. So where's your emotional measurements <laughs> for us to be able to define it? Oh, we haven't got any. Well, that's going to be difficult then, isn't it? You know, And then the closest you get to it is the you know, commitment to the brand and stuff like that, where you can start to go, well, yeah, but that group of customers over there are, are really committed to the brand. Let's give an example. Let's talk about the example we were chatting about in the green room before we started this, just to put some legs on it. So we used to have an office in Atlanta. I now am in Florida, as you're aware, in Sarasota. I've flown Delta for years. Diamond on the scale. I've got millions of miles, rewards. I don't really think about other airlines, Okay. We were out for dinner with a friend of ours on Saturday night, and he said, he said, oh, he said, um, JetBlue fly across the pond, and their business class is, is really a lot cheaper. And I went, wow, okay, I'll have a look at that. And I suddenly thought, that's interesting, and I have, and they are <laughs> cheaper. And I suddenly thought, I'm going to have to give them a go. And that made me think, I'm not loyal, am I? I've been going through Delta because of, habit and because of the status piece and because of the loyalty program and it's not again a loyalty program it's a reward program so it's part of the utility piece that I guess you're talking about and therefore now I'm looking at well maybe I should maybe I should be flying um, JetBlue to these places but that that sort of that hopefully gives some people some terms of reference doesn't it at the time we're recording this, uh, it was just a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, that Delta announced that they were going to make some big changes to, to their loyalty program, to their SkyMile program. Um, it was going to be much less generous. People were going to lose a lot of status. You had to like spend a lot more money to get the rewards, which makes a lot of sense financially for Delta. 
But the backlash was pretty severe. And I would argue it's because what many firms call loyalty programs don't engender loyalty, as you just said. These are utility-based extrinsic motivators. So I, I live in Atlanta, so I fly almost exclusively Delta. I have good experiences with them. But I don't fool myself. Like The primary reason is utility-based. I can fly direct almost anywhere from Atlanta on Delta. And I know that that's a good way to build up these rewards points and I'll get it. So it is a utility-based decision every time. Every time I fly Delta, it is because of this exchange. And so if Delta changes the, the SkyMiles program, they're changing the, the reward that I will get from flying from that. That It would be equivalent to them like raising price or something where now they're making the whole offering less attractive. And yeah, at some point I would stop flying with them and go somewhere else because the, I have low loyalty to them. You know, I have, I have a good experience, but it's based on the exchange. It's based on the utility I get out of that offering, just as, as you were indicating as well. So the biggest takeaway, and I'll, I'm sure I'll come back to this at the end, but the biggest takeaway for people is if you're running a loyalty program, what you are calling a loyalty program don't fool yourself. It is probably not a loyalty program. It is probably a utility-based return purchase program, which is fine, but don't fool yourself into thinking you're making people loyal because usually you're not. Absolutely. Later on today, I'm going down to the Apple store to buy myself a, a new computer. Okay. To replace the chip that they've put in your brain to get you to talk about <laughs> Apple every time, that one wearing out, I need a new one. But I don't know if you know, but I'm a loyal Apple customer. You're kidding. That is new for me. <laughs> no, to, joking aside, your relationship with Apple is a good example of brand yes. loyalty. Like, that would be a loyalty-based relationship as opposed to a utility or inertia base. Yeah. The point I was going to get to was that even if – there was some Windows-based machine that was half the price. You know what? Even 75% the price, I wouldn't get it. Now, there is a whole issue there then around the effort it takes to change. Sure. When you're starting to make all these things up and look at all these decisions, it's these are important things. So, you know, when you start to, and we'll go through a list in a while of, you know, here are some signs I would look at, and that would be one of them. If the product or service that you've got, you know, now I'm in the Apple ecosystem, then it would be very difficult for me to go, uh, well, I'm just going to have one thing that's going to be Windows-based and just use that because that that would be a pain in the neck. It's absolutely about loyalty. And here's one thing that I think is really critical because I think you said that as part of that Delta example and the reward points. Loyalty means that the customer is willing to sacrifice something and still stay with you, okay? And it also means that the organization is willing to sacrifice something. And it's a two-way street. So go back to the family example. Do your family do things that annoy you? And do you make sacrifices for them? Yes, everybody does. Does it happen the other way? Yes, it does. Okay. So how does that apply in the business setting? And again, it's the classic example of, you know, if I'm going to a hotel, am I willing to drive past another 17 hotels to get to this one place? What sacrifice 
am I willing to make? And I think that's, again, a, an interesting way of putting things. Uh, and again, when we were chatting with this, uh, I was chatting with this client the other day, I was asking them what sacrifice they're making for the customer. And they couldn't really answer that. And I thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah, that's, that is an interesting way of putting it. The way that I think about it is one good way of teasing apart loyalty from inertia is when, and from utility for that matter, is when things go wrong, right? So when things go wrong and it's utility-based, you need to extract that pound of flesh before you're willing to go back. Like they need to make it worth your while, yeah. For inertia, uh, a lot of times that, that serves as a disruption that causes you to reset your behaviors and you go like, loyalty though, as you say, there is this give and take. Customers who are loyal to you, they're not infinitely accommodating, but they will usually give you the opportunity to make it right, right? To repair that relationship because it is deeper than just transactional. Uh, That means something to them. When I start to think about that, I wonder how many people from Delta now are going to start to go, well, maybe I should look at somewhere else to somewhere else to go maybe oh, there were there were major news stories about members in their loyalty programs who were saying if you don't fix this we're we're leaving like i i'll go and fly somebody else i could go anywhere else and restart a loyalty program elsewhere and to the point where delta announced they were going to be scaling back on some of their proposed changes because the backlash yeah here is anna talking on the show Hi, Colin and Ryan. I'm in a pickle. How do you operationalize your journey mapping? We don't want CX to become some fluffy thing that is not practical enough. Therefore, we want practical steps on how to get started the right way. Thank you. Anna's pickle was wonderful. Would you like to appear on the show just like Anna did? If you want to record your pickle, go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle and look for the big red record button. We'd love to hear from you too. Let's go through some of these, this list of things that I've written here, which is some of the telltale signs, because I think some of these has have implications to, for an organization. So I guess the question for me is, how can you tell whether your customers are loyal or whether it's just inertia and to your point, utility inertia, okay? Well, one of the ways that you can tell if they are loyal is that they would have a much higher degree of brand attachment to you. The implications of that, again, are interesting because now it becomes that question of, yeah, but how do you tell with that individual customer? And not only that is, are your segments aligned? So, the danger again becomes branding is typically done in marketing. You know, not everybody then adopts the same type of segmentation across the rest of the business. Clearly, you've got something like, and I think again, it's, it, this can be start to become a good measure, is based around recommendation. So the net promoter question. So the likelihood to recommend. Because again, I was thinking about it. It's the difference between if I'm loyal to someone. I would recommend them. So if you said, well, what laptops should you buy? I would say, yeah, you need to buy an Apple, mate. If it's based around utility or just inertia, I probably wouldn't even bother answering the question. 
And actually, I was thinking, it's the way that you answer the question, because you go, you may go, well, the one I use is so and so and so and so. It's not really recommending it. I use this because it's cheap, or I use this because actually, you know, it's just easier. They just happen to be down the road, and therefore it's convenient, and therefore it's inertia and habit. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that a lot. I was thinking about how I would answer that question for utility-based offering, and it would be more of me listing out the reasons why I choose it. That's how I would be able to help you, is by encouraging you to think through the reasons why you would make this choice, right? So some of this stuff may not apply to you, but here's how it applies to me. So you need to make your own utility-based calculation is the way that I would tend to approach those types of preferences. Yeah. And the other part then is the, is where it comes in, isn't it? Is that two things from what you've just said there. One is that it's based upon the individual, which you clearly you can tie up to the segments, and therefore it's based upon the values that that individual has. And then where you get into, a, and, and clearly your values, my values may not be the same, but you've got utility values and emotional values. So the utility values, it would be interesting if you turn around and say, yeah, well, the reason I do that is because they deliver within two days uh, the website's easy. I get a discount because they've got a reward scheme. So all those things are utility based. Yeah, and you're kind of, and by listing them out that way, instead of saying, "Oh, you should definitely use these guys; they're the best." Instead, if you say, "Well, here's the reasons why," you're essentially inviting me to to figure out: Do those reasons still apply to me? Like, you don't know how important it is to me that they deliver in two days. You're you're indicating it's important to you, but as opposed to like, "Oh no, this is the best. Like these guys are the best." the best service out there like that feels qualitatively different to me yes no absolutely and therefore again so another way is that as we've talked about here is a loyal customer would have a much more deeper emotional connection that therefore implies that you're measuring emotion that therefore implies that you're not just measuring that you know at a top level emotional attachment but you're measuring for me you've got to go down into specific emotions like trust, cared for, feeling valued, those types of things, you would expect a loyal customer to have a much higher degree of connection than just a utility-based customer. Another one I've got here, which I think is an interesting one, is do they buy products across multiple categories of the brand? So let's just talk Delta for a moment, actually. You know, Delta clearly flying, but are you also buying cars? Are you buying vacations? And I know that that was part of the move that Delta were making, wasn't it? Is to get people to, to buy more things. But it's interesting because they're actually forcing people down that utility route, aren't they? By saying, you know, you're not going to get this status unless you spend money on cars and hotels and vacations and, and other things. Utility-based purchasing is very extrinsically motivated. So I'm, I'm motivated by kind of what you're offering and you know how you're incentivizing me. Whereas loyalty is very intrinsically motivated. And there's, there's good research out there sh- suggesting that extrinsic motivators can kill intrinsic motivation. So there was a famous study where a blood bank decided to start paying people for their donations which any economist would tell you should increase donation rates. 
um, and instead it, it killed it. So donations dropped. And the argument was before people were donating blood out of the goodness of their heart, I guess quite literally in that case, um, <laughs> because it made them feel good, because they wanted to help. And then as soon as you started paying them, that changed the calculation. Now it was, is this worth my time? Is it worth the pain and the effort in order to do it? And they weren't paying them enough that it was. And so because they introduced extrinsic motivators, it killed the intrinsic. So yeah, there's a, there's a risk that you could, on the margins, turn some loyal customers into utility customers by encouraging them to think in that way. And so that's risky. Yeah, totally agree. And I, the blood blood donor is a good example. So a couple of other couple of other ones that I would uh, shout out. One is recommendation. We've we've talked about that. Another one is looking at what they're saying on social media, uh, and again the types of conversations they're having on social media. I think is an interesting one. Looking at average spend when the average order size is larger, and none of these I would suggest you take in you know you just pick one of these and goes well this is what we're going to use it has to be a mixture of all these things but average spend uh, would be interesting the the other one would be how susceptible they are to competition so i tell you what would be a really interesting exercise would be to see how many people have stopped flying delta or not flying delta as as much and actually thinking about it just using that, that delta example the interesting question actually becomes about the utility, doesn't it? Because if it's you, I would argue that maybe flying Delta is the utility of the location and the price are the two big factors. But it depends. But there could be where somebody's caught between two different airports. I'm thinking back in the UK where the airports are closer or maybe up at JFK and uh, LaGuardia, etc., where you know you've got a choice of more of a choice of airlines that for me comes under the heading of how susceptible were they to that competition absolutely one we've we've talked about earlier how willing is the customer to forgive what you've done you know if you've done something wrong to them to do service recovery ask yourself what sacrifice the customer and you are making we again we've uh, we've we've talked about that and i really think that that sacrifice piece is key i think it's a really interesting way of thinking about it yeah so let's do our usual bit mate let's, let's just take a step back and go so what so what are the what are the, why is this important what should people do about it so for me the key takeaways the so what of it um is it's important to understand what's motivating your customers so that you can know how to encourage more of it or to you know in, encourage a different kind of behavior that you want so don't fool yourself as a company into thinking whatever you're calling a loyalty program is actually engendering loyalty it doesn't make it a bad idea you know i, I think delta's sky miles program for instance generates a lot of sales for them that's a big part of the reason why i, I continue to use them but that is a utility-based, as I'm defining it, a utility-based um, incentive, which is fine, but it's not loyalty, right? So loyalty is based off of relationships. And the, like, the final piece that we haven't tied in here is that a lot of those relationships and that emotionality is built around experience. So a lot of the reason that people are loyal to either part of the reason that you are loyal to Apple 
is because of the continued good experience you have with their products and with their retail store and with their service. Motivating people through utility is fairly easy. We know how to do that. Getting people to become loyal requires managing experiences. That's kind of one takeaway. The other thing that I would encourage people to think about uh, is something that you mentioned very briefly, which is segmentation. It is pretty rare for a company to serve within their basket of target segments people who are only loyal customers, um, as we've defined it here. So I think that for anything that you're selling, you probably have some utility-based customers and some inertial customers and some loyal customers. And so, you know, there's a couple of things you can do with that. You can try to shift some of these utility and inertia customers over to being loyal by focusing on your customer experience. As you're bringing people in, you can try to win. But one of the things that you can do also is really find out who those loyal customers are and talk to them. Find out why. Why are they loyal to your brand of mustard? Like, why is your brand of mustard their die for mustard? And figure out, like, can you tap into that? Can you get more people to form that relationship with whatever it is that you're selling by identifying the people who are hyperloyal. Because there's a good chance that whatever you're selling, you've already got some people who are really loyal to the brand. They may just be invisible to you because all you're looking at is repeat purchases. And so if you can find those people and really talk to them, you may get insights about your, your offering that would be very, very useful to you in encouraging more loyalty from more people. Yeah, and the bit I would add is that you've got to start to put some of these metrics in place. So you've got to start looking at brand attachment and the emotional side of things, how they're looking at, are they looking at buying other categories, average order size, blah, 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 that can tell you if you've got some loyal customers or not. The key one that's missing is typically is just that uh, emotional side of things. But don't fool yourself. In this age of, and as we move into a very disruptive time with AI and everything else coming on board, don't get caught out of being the blockbuster that suddenly you think that we've got loads of loyal customers that are coming down to see us every all the time, and they're actually not. Yeah, that's a great uh, example. The, the soon, soon as there's a, some type of new technology or new offering out there, they're going to move, and they will move bloody quick. I actually went to um, not went to i was flying over to the states the other day and i watched um a film about blackberry you remember the old blackberry i can't remember what the film was called but it was basically about the start and then the demise of blackberry yeah the thing that struck me was just how quickly it happened when the iphone came out just how quickly uh, it all fell apart and the danger is, as, as we know, with AI coming on board, that you know that's that's going to happen in many different industries. And, so I mean, and that's a fascinating example too, because there there were BlackBerry loyalists. There were I yes. mean, President Obama famously continued to use his BlackBerry years after they kind of went out of fashion. Yes, I have a, a, a friend of mine, a professor friend, who used a BlackBerry for years and years after everybody switched. Yeah, out. there were people who were intensely loyal. But I, I wonder if BlackBerry's management assumed that the loyalty base was much larger when, in fact, the people who were actually loyal to them was very small and most of the people who were using it, it was well, a utility-based decision. Absolutely. I was just about to say, it was a utility-based decision. Yeah. So something came along that served the needs better. Yeah. And when you go through the film, you just go, yeah, because I used to have BlackBerry like everybody did, uh, but it just moved so quickly. The other one then was, before that, was Nokia, wasn't it? Remember the Nokia 3210 and everything else? So anyway. Okay, so we hope that's been of, uh, of use. Uh, we hope that you are a loyal customer, uh, a loyal listener, 
Uh, and if you are, thank you very much. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Okay, cheers. Thanks very much for listening to the show today. We really hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, it would be really great if you could leave us a review. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. Intuitive Customer.